from the creators of Wagertainment. We bring you none of the hot take BS. We bring you bets. We bring you sports. I don't care about bragging rights. It just introduces more volatility into the equation. I don't care about victory laps. Stop it. Please stop it. <laughs> Throw the football into the floor. The BetQL Network presents your favorite handicapper's favorite handicapper, Ken Barkley. If I have an opinion, I'm just going to go put money on that thing happening. And your host, Nick Costos. Every single play of every Every single game impacts you in some way, shape, or form. It's You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM. Yes, indeed it is. You Better You Bet. Nick Costos, Ken Barkley, and you here with us on the BetQL Network. Every game here is Game 7. No hot take BS on this show. We bring you the bets. We bring you the sports. We're coming to you live today from all the usual spots. That is the Odyssey app. That is the BetQL app will be simulcast by our friends, our brothers, our compatriots over at Stadium from 4 to 6 Eastern, youtube.com backslash Odyssey Sports. Tomorrow, by the way, on YouTube and Twitch, we'll be taking your favorite football bets for Championship Sunday in the National Football League. But that is a story for a phenomenal football Friday. This is a tremendous football Thursday. So in lieu of you sending in your bets today, I will just promote that you are watching the show on our social platforms. God bless you. YouTube.com backslash Odyssey Sports, twitch.tv backslash slash betql and we are being heard on radio stations nationwide including on satellite radio our friends at sirius channel 160 and xm channel 205 as ken and i bring you the wagertainment we are indeed talking all things sports betting proudly presented today and always by the king of sports books that's the great people over at betmgm we want you to visit dat website betmgm.com and download dat app it's the betmgm app Ah, the king of sportsbooks, they're the best. And do so, please, on this T3. Three words that all start with the letter T. That, of course, tremendous football Thursday. January 25th in the year of our Lord, 2024. The show is on Twitter, at You Better You Bet. I'm on Twitter and the gram, at the Costos. And Ken Barkley, your favorite handicapper's favorite handicapper. He's on X, tripping his face off, at Locky Lockerson. And on this tremendous football Thursday, we will do you, Dear listener and dear viewer, the honor and privilege of bringing you five utterly phenomenal guests. How about joining us today to talk Championship Sunday in the National Football League? Five amazing guests. Adam Chernoff from the Simple Handicap Podcast. Connor Allen from 4 for 4 and Betsbirds. Rob Pizzola from the Circles Off Podcast and the Hammer Sports Betting Network. Joey Kanish, baby, pro sports better also from the Hammer. And also joining us on today's show to talk Championship Sunday, Pro Football Hall of Fame quarterback, legendary NFL gunslinger, Warren Moon. This is a true story. When I first started playing football video games way back in the day, I'm talking like Tecmo Super Bowl following the 1990 NFL season when the Giants beat the Bills. The team that I played with exclusively was the Warren Moon run-and-shoot Houston Oilers with Haywood Jeffries, Ernest Givens, Curtis Duncan, etc. This is kind of cool for four-year-old Nick Costos now. We got Warren Moon coming on the show to talk Championship Sunday in the NFL. Pro Football Hall of Famer Warren Moon joins us coming up at 5 o'clock Eastern time, continuing this, like, scintillating run of guests that we've been on. Great job by our executive producer, Alex Fasano, and our consultant, our friend, Bill Zimmerman, and also our guy, Randy Merkin. Everyone chipping in to do an amazing job booking guests here on the show. Plus... AMR, 
That's what I'm calling it for right now. Uh, Ward Market Roulette. I don't know what we're going to actually end up calling this segment. I've got some ideas for imaging, but we can call it Award Market Roulette for now because, you know, it's a sports, it's a betting show. Uh, here's how this is going to go coming up in hour number one of today's program. Ken Barkley is going to bring up a random award market in the NBA or the National Hockey League, and uh, I will find said award market on BetMGM. I will read like the favorites at the top of the market and we will discuss said award market. Ken Barkley will lend his expertise to you. Um, NFL award markets are done. Um, We're going to find out pretty soon who's going to win all these awards. So we will start the transition now to NBA and NHL awards in the first edition coming up today of AMR award market roulette in the NBA and the National Hockey League. We will also bring you, and it moved for Championship Sunday in the NFL, for the AFC and NFC title games, including like a really, and this happened while I was doing some radio earlier today, Ken, this move on the Niners almost out to seven and a half. I even said in one of my interviews, like maybe people know something about Debo Samuel. It's like a pretty like significant move that happened in short order, right? Uh, and then we find out Debo, Debo practices in a limited fashion. We will bring you all the updated injury news and all the side and total movement and any updated thoughts we have on the Chiefs and the Ravens, the Lions and the Niners coming up as we move along. We'll continue to discuss the NFL head coaching carousel. Had a night to sleep on Jim Harbaugh being named the new head coach of the LA Chargers. Updated thoughts there. Dave Canales will be the new head coach of the Carolina Panthers. uh, Offensive coordinator this season of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We'll talk about that. Uh, Thoughts on Carolina's potential win total for this season with basically no draft picks and Bryce Young at quarterback. So we'll talk about that. Power Hour Final Hour will feature all our bets coming up for tonight. We are locked and loaded here. Tremendous football Thursday. A lot going on in the world of sports. Ken Barkley, how's it going? Yeah, uh, good. Off of uh, probably like the, the least dramatic night in NBA history or something like that. I tried to get into a bunch of the games, tried to get into a bunch of the hockey games. Most of them stunk. Almost all of them were terrible, um, but but won every bet. So I guess it was like still really good. Uh, Winnipeg lost in overtime to Toronto, which was great. And then both like narrative NBA driven bets, uh, the the Bucks, which I guess yes, the Bucks and the Warriors both covered. And uh, Warriors off a lot of time off, so that's an advantage anyway. And the Bucks with a, a fill in coach, but without their former coach. Pronte, can you can you remember a team? I guess there's a couple comparisons for this. Can you remember a team that fired their coach and then in the next game, the players all did like a, a synchronized dance routine, like basically having like a parade on the court uh, yeah, in the first this, this game happened, with their new coach? This happened like a month ago after the, after the Raiders fired the Josh Raiders McDaniels and Antonio Pierce took over. To <laughs> and yeah. they literally smoked cigars in the locker room after the game. Yeah, I would say that it's, that would uh, be the one. It's just, uh, I wonder if this is going to go the same way because, like, the Raiders played much better after they, after they, like, and I think when the Raiders did that, there was all the reporting when Josh McDaniels got fired that the locker room's so much happier now and it's such a better place and all these things. You just go, man, like, was it really that bad? Like, I knew it was bad. Was it really that bad? And they're like, man, because, you know, usually when one of these things happen, like, everything comes out, all the dirty laundry comes out afterwards about, you know, bad culture, about, you know, the locker room and all this stuff. And you go, like, man, I guess. I guess it was really terrible when Josh McDaniels was the coach of the Raiders. And then you, you watch last night and it's not that like they covered, I mean, like Cleveland had played so well for like a month. They were kind of due for a clunker. Anyway, they just blown out Milwaukee uh, last, you know, earlier this week or whatever. So it's not that like the result had to mean something, but just like they come out and it's just everybody dancing and like having a great time. You just go, Man, like all the reports were definitely true about how bad this was. Like, if you needed any confirmation about 
you know, like the fights in practice before the year, Doc Rivers, like, backstabbing everyone to get the job and, like, setting this whole thing up and just, like, how the players completely tuned out their coach. I mean, what a, what a, like, a perfect encapsulation of how bad it was that, like, a normal regular season game on a Wednesday night come out like it's like the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade <laughs> just celebrating and then and then put it on a really good team and win kind of like you know holding off the Cavaliers just thought that was interesting this is not like a, a betting take betting conversation I, I've said this a couple times recently I feel like a lot more people are starting to say it proving once again that I don't have to be right but I am ahead of the curve uh is it like are you getting a little tired of Giannis and I'm not suggesting like not, if it, that if it, that if it comes that if it comes down to the playoffs, like I wouldn't bet on him. That's not what I'm saying at all. Like I want to win my bets. If I feel like the Bucks are going to win or Giannis is going to win, I will bet on that happening. Just that he's getting very annoying, and I also feel like he's very, very, very phony. So Adrian Griffin gets fired, and Giannis does like this this whole like what what me real up uh, you 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 thought I. I had something to do with this? Of course of course not. And how we're all human at the end of the day, and this is such a sad day, and like, oh, I can't believe this happened. And also, here's me dancing, having a great Wee. time. Like, I, he's, he's a massive phony. And also, and I think everyone kind of knows that this is true also already, I actually think it's part of his charm. It actually makes me like him a little bit. Like, the Luka Doncic stuff from last night, like getting the fan ejected from the game yeah. while they're getting absolutely skunked by the Phoenix Suns and I love like the mini rivalry with him and Devin Booker and the fans got a Booker jersey on and Booker's hilarious post game being like get me that fans information it's just like at least Luca's kind of honest about who he is and I guess like they're both like you know two of the MVP favorites we don't think they're gonna win but at least Luca's kind of honest about who he is Giannis still kind of plays the role of like I'm like this baby face character I actually think he's a heel and I think he just needs to turn heel again not a betting conversation but like I'm I'm sick of, like, Giannis pretending to be, like, 80s Hulk Hogan, say your prayers and take your vitamins. Buddy, just turn to the dark side. We all know you're there already. Come on, man. Like, you got this guy fired. It's okay. It's all right. We get it. Yeah. No problem. Like, you you didn't want Nick Nurse. You, not the Bucks. Like, you didn't want Nick Nurse. So this is what you got. Like, you you want your, your brothers to constantly be on the roster of, like, whatever team that you're a part of. You want, like, Thanasis to be... Uh... And Robin Lopez. Why is Robin Lopez on the roster? Right. Like they need some flexibility. This is it's almost it is it, it's funny because there is another comparison with the Raiders, which is this like incredible nepotism with like all the people involved. It's like, well, who's your assistant coach? Well, it was uh Damian Lillard's favorite coach who coached <laughs> him in Portland. Like, oh well, who's on the roster? Well, we got Brooke Lopez's brother, and we got Giannis's brother. Like, I just anybody else? Is there like a you know, like Chris Middleton with a C that wants to be on the team or something. Like I just, it's, it's really funny. I, uh, I guess there were those teams, two teams, two teams had more in common than we thought. I don't know. And you're like, when it comes down to it, I'll bet on Giannis. So I think they're going to win. I just to like continue what we talked about yesterday. I don't, I don't think they're going to win. I'm just saying I knew they weren't going to win before. <laughs> now at least I'm not, not a hundred percent sure. I'm not even like, talking may, title. More so like game by game, like in a series yeah. if we like them. Like I dislike him, but it's not going to stop me from placing a bet, obviously, if I feel like it I'm going to win that bet. It is kind of crazy, um, like COVID and those multiple seasons, bubble, and then the year that the, the Bucks beat the Suns, like – that bought a lot of people a lot of slack to do a lot of stuff <laughs> that that they've never done since then or before even like LeBron got the title in the bubble now it's like 
God, I mean, like Frank Vogel won a title in the bubble. Now, and I mean, it's just you watch sometimes these games with the Suns. I just go, like, does this guy have any idea what he's doing? And it beat Dallas last night. Like Anthony Davis got his title in the bubble. Like now it's like it's all good. Like LeBron won it with the Lakers. Davis has the a Dodgers. title. Like, it's all, it's the all Dodgers good. The won Dodgers won a World Series, and I, I'm like, come on, right? Should just, we be asterisking all of this except for the Bucks and Brady, which I feel like was legitimate? I feel like everything else yeah. should be thrown out. The the Dodgers is a great one, and then like I just even even Buck Suns like if if Giannis doesn't do that, and he was awesome in that series, but like that was a weird year. If he doesn't do that, he's like one of the great like late game failures, like late season failures in the history of the league. Like he's like the Doc Rivers of players if he doesn't have that one moment. Like what imagine like one one title gets you a lot, obviously. And what if it, Durant's foot's not on Jokic. the line? What if Durant's yeah, toe's Durant, not on the line? Like imagine that too. And obviously had all the injuries and everything. I mean, it was just the whole thing. Like kind of because you you go, you know, like you you have players that I think make it deep in the playoffs a lot and don't win. And I think almost like kind of wrongly like they get criticized like be like they got to the game or they got to the series before like all the time and it's like you know sometimes you need some bounces to go here or you need to not play patrick mahomes i guess in buffalo's case but sometimes it's like yeah you know you know if you take that sun's finals out it all looks gross for him in terms of his postseason it's like there isn't uh there isn't a like well what about that other time it all looks awful got a huge pass for losing to an eight seed last year because I lost to an eight seed. I, it's, it's just really and funny. I got like, punked by the eight seed. It wasn't like they didn't even lose in seven. They lost oh, in five. Got, got like their like manhood taken away by the eight seed with an assault. By Jimmy Butler. Weapon. Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Grant, Grant Williams uh, getting ejected last night, just fold him into the conversation. So I just, yeah, it's it'll be interesting to see what they become. Obviously, like the it's the honeymoon period. Doc's not even like technically the coach yet. Prunty coach last night, so they'll they'll be good for a Prunty. while. They'll win a ton of games. They'll make they'll win a ton of games. They'll make the playoffs. They'll probably win their division. Um, but yeah, like when push comes to shove, just like this this best player and this coach might be a pretty brutal combination. It's not. It's, it may not just be Doc Rivers. It may kind of just be the whole thing. I I'm gonna root against them. I can't believe I'm saying that. And it's the first time I've actually thought that. I am Sixers, going. Which is really funny. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, <laughs> the team that never wins. I, I guess I would root, honestly, like I won't root for the Celtics because I'm a New Yorker. We root for the the Celtics, well, yeah. of course. The uh, the Celtics are way more likable than the Bucks are. I like wish the Celtics had a good best player. That I, I like Bazzia. I mean, I don't. I kind of I mean, think I he's funny. Yeah, yeah. He, he is funny, like with the Belichick the stuff after Belichick. Yeah, yeah, he is funny. Listen, I'm a New Yorker, so that's me hating on Boston. Like, the Celtics right. are better than the Knicks, obviously. Derek White's, but, like, like, the nicest guy. Saw him, like, hug Grant Williams the other day. They used to play horse after practice, apparently. He, like, waited for everybody to say hi to Grant Williams, and he gives him a big hug. Like, I like that. I like Jalen Brown. I think he's, like, a really good player. Like, he has flaws. He's making about a billion dollars. But, like, I don't, I don't like, dislike him when I watch the Celtics play. They play a style that's really, like... It's all unselfish. It's like drive and kick and shoot a ton of threes and be highly efficient and defend and like run and like look out for each other. Like that's awesome. They're just not gonna win. <laughs> They're just not gonna win. And uh, and I almost we almost wish that you felt that way about Milwaukee. I I agree with you on all of this. I totally agree with you on Milwaukee. Uh, I got a confession, my friends. <laughs> I'm a I'm no fool. Actually, I am. I'm a 
I'm considering betting the Blackhawks tonight against the Edmonton Oilers. Oh, don't do that. <laughs> on the other side. Thanksgiving? Yeah. <laughs> on the other side. Award market roulette on a Thursday with Nick and Ken. Our great cavalcade of guests starts today at 4 o'clock Eastern time. We'll have five guests joining us to break down Championship Sunday in the NFL, all giving their unique unique, unique perspective on the Lions and the Niners and the Chiefs and the Ravens. Warren Moon, Pro Football Hall of Famer, among the guests who will join us coming up today. All our bets for tonight coming up in the Power Hour, final hour of the show. And uh, just, just surveying the board for tonight, we have another... I guess this isn't technically like head coach fired game, but with Wes Unseld, quote unquote, transitioning to a front office. What role. is that? Yeah, it's, I mean, basically anything that ever happens with the Wizards, I feel like yeah. what is that is an appropriate reaction. They've earned no currency. Cause so it's whenever they do anything, I just, my default is like, well, that's stupid. I guess it's a stupid not gonna franchise. Not right, exactly. Let's get Brad Beal a Supermax. How's he doing in Phoenix? I'm just like. Uh, so we got the Wizards tonight, potentially, if if we're interested in that particular angle. And uh, I, I said it to close the last segment. Blackhawks just gave Peter Morazic a contract extension. He loves Chicago. He's been playing well. Stuart Skinner, who's been unbelievable for Edmonton, ain't playing tonight. It's Calvin Jean-Luc Picard, or Picard, oh, whatever, no. as, Edmonton, yeah. as Edmonton's Blackhawks goalie. Line. Make it so. Yeah. And Edmonton's won 14 straight games. The Blackhawks have lost 12 straight games on the road. It's like the opposite of the irresistible force and the immovable object. And did I mention the price is massive? Just saying. Haven't placed the bet yet. I might end up placing a bet tonight on the Blackhawks. That's really funny. To knock off the Oilers in Edmonton. But uh, for now. So we don't, we don't have any imaging for this yet because we don't know what we're going to call this segment. I think this is going to be something we're going to do a lot. And I'm pretty excited for it. I think the segments like are going to be. a couple months. Abs- yeah, yeah, for a couple months. I think this is going to be this is going to be great. So, you know. Thursdays during football season, we would do P-squared, B-squared NFL awards, hit every NFL award market. And, you know, my personal opinion, and I am a little biased, but also I'm honest. I think it's the best award market analysis out there, courtesy of Ken Barkley. And I try and chime in with witty one-liners and where where I can. But the analysis is always sensational. We're going to attempt to do that in the NHL and the NBA. Because there are so many award markets, obviously, we can't, like, it, it would take us a whole four-hour show, and we've got other stuff we have to do, obviously. So in lieu of that, uh, Ken, you came up with this idea, and why don't you kind of uh, share it with the audience here in short form, and we'll figure out what we're going to name it as we move along, and we'll get some music and imaging for it, etc. Yeah, I mean, we're, uh, I don't know, like about 60% through hockey season, and maybe a little less through NBA season. So there's, I mean, these markets have been open for a long time, months, and they've all moved around a lot and favorites have been like established in a lot of them, uh, at least recently or in the last couple of months. And so it's, you know, I, I wouldn't think of this like, well, Ken's about to give me the winning bet in 10 markets or something like that. It's more just, we haven't talked about some of these a- at all, actually, since the season started. And I think it's just really good to give you an idea where we're at and kind of just casually go through some of this stuff where, hey, look, like, here's how the market opened. Here's how we got to where we are. And here's where I think we're going. And in some of them, the answer is going to be like, we're going to the favorite winning. That's where we're going. We're 60% through the hockey season. If you don't think we're going toward the favorite winning in some of these, like too many games have happened. So it's just not, it's not realistic. Um, but, you know, I think there are a couple that can still get pretty interesting and we can kind of do this each week. So I'll, I'll try to pick out some, I mean, I can do all of them. It just depends on how long it takes. It's going to take too long this week. So I, I try to just kind of pick out a few that I think either are topical or interesting or, um, you know, just have some kind of hook with maybe something that happened the night before or whatever, just to kind of give you an idea of, again, it's not going to be like, 
let's flood money into this right now. But it's like, look, like this is exactly where we're at. Just because honestly, uh, we haven't talked about most of these. So if you only listen to the show for award analysis, you don't really know where we're at with any of this stuff. And uh, and the goal is to just kind of help uh, help illuminate some of these. And I, and I will say, just like, because I knew we were doing this, I don't know what the markets that we're going to hit are. That was kind of the whole point of this, is that I am in the dark, much like, I'm being kept in the dark, looking for the answer. Uh, just like our listeners and viewers are. I, I don't know what, what the what markets we're going to discuss, but I know we're gonna, the, two, the two sports we're going to hit, and I'm looking at all the various markets, and in hockey... It does kind of seem like, Ken, and I'll let you kind of take the floor if we do any of these hockey award markets. It does feel like in some of these, just like the favorites going to win. Like Hart Trophy, I guess like Nathan McKinnon could lose. I don't know. It kind of feels like he's going to win. He's a minus choice. Like minus 125. MGM price moved 70 cents last night on his on his huge game. That's what four four goals will do that for you, I think, uh, as the Avalanche, the favorite to win the Stanley Cup at our show sponsor, BetMGM. So, Jake, uh, see if you can grab recommends here, just so we have a little music underneath us. Whenever you have it, bring it up here. And, Ken, let's uh, let's spin the old wheel here. And what is the first award market for award market roulette? I have that website up, BetMGM.com, and I will be feverishly clicking to to bring the odds (laughs) once I know what the market is. I, I kind of wanted to, I, I could have started in a few places um, where there were more options, but I, I do think the, probably the right place to start because it's it's like kind of a big time market is in the NBA and uh, to start with rookie of the year, which we haven't talked about at all and like how that market might. T- so for people who are like, what's what about NBA MVP? We've done that to death on this show. It's the one award we have done a lot. So like that, that ain't going to be a part of this like ever, probably, to be honest, because honestly, if something interesting enough happens, we'll just do it on the show when it happens. Like Embiid gets hurt. Jokic gets hurt. Jokic plays well. Embiid plays well, whatever. Um, but yeah, NBA rookie of the year. Uh, it it was not interesting for a while. And uh, and maybe it maybe it gets more interesting here. And uh, and I think kind of like the jumping off point for this was the two was the game that these two teams played last night. The Thunder blowing out the Spurs one forty to one fourteen. Um, Victor Webinyama statistically outperforming Chet Holmgren in the game, despite the fact that the Spurs uh, lost by twenty six points. Wemby with to- uh, twenty four and twelve. Chet Holmgren seventeen and nine. And. Chet Holmgren had been the favorite in this market for a while. Obviously, Wembenyama opened the season as the favorite. But Holmgren yet usurped him for a while after that turnaround three-pointer that he hit against the Golden State Warriors and the Thunder ended up winning that game in overtime early in the season. Now Wembenyama's out, back out, to a pretty decent-sized favorite, Ken. Wemby, hashtag Wemby, is minus 175. Holmgren plus 145 for bleeps and giggles. I will also say Jaime Jaquez is 250 to one and Scoot Henderson and Brandon Miller. I might start betting Brandon Miller points over every game now, by the way, with what they were going to do and trade everyone basically, except for him and LaMelo. Scoot and Brandon Miller both at 500 to one. But Ken, obviously a two horse race here with Wembenyama and Chet Holmgren. So how do you break it down? Yeah, and you you alluded to it just for people who haven't followed this market really closely. Wembenyama was a, when he was drafted number one overall was a huge favorite. Um, Chet kind of gradually gained on him and gained on him and gained on him, and uh, eventually became a favorite. And that stayed the same for about two months, where Chet would be like a small favorite and Wembenyama would be a small dog. And then very recently, like in the last ten days, Wembenyama started like all the the favorite flipped again and he became a favorite and his price has gotten bet out really aggressively in the last like 48 hours partly because of his performance last night and partly because of the stat line that he put up when the team gave up 70 points to Joel Embiid uh the other night and I I think if you listen to kind of like reporters that cover the league talk about this 
my sense is is that Wembenyama is going to win this award, and even some of the reporters who were like much much more bullish on Chet and just wanted to acknowledge that he's having this like really outstanding season are sort of now admitting even on social media or in the content that they produce that like Chet's ahead now, but like literally they, they this is them saying this like Chet's ahead now, but won't be ahead at the end of the season, and they're almost like resigned to the fact that Wembenyama. I think they almost wanted to give it to Chet, and that Wembenyama just if the stats are going to look like this that it's just eventually it's not going to be close and it's close right now. Now there are two things that created this. One is the move from Wembenyama from power forward to center, uh, which has like enabled him to accumulate some really ridiculous stat lines, rebounding and blocking shots and just like gives him, I think the, you know, a bit like the ability to have bigger stat lines. And then Popovich even announcing last night that he was going to start playing more minutes sometimes, which again, more minutes handicapping the NBA prop markets, especially is almost entirely about minutes and how many minutes everybody's going to play and who's going to play less or more than they have been before. If he's going to play more, the stats are going to go up. He's going to look even better. And so you're, I think you're starting to get some louder voices saying like, Hey, this was really neat that it was a race, but like it's about to kind of not be a race anymore. The one kind of thing that Chet has in his corner and he'll have it the entire rest of the season is that his team's going to be really good. They're going to win 50 plus games. How many more they went after that is kind of open for debate. Are they going to be the one seed? Are they going to be the four seed? Somewhere in that range. And uh, Bill Simmons did a pod three weeks ago, four weeks ago. And his direct quote was, just want to let everybody know if Chet finishes top three in the West, I'm voting for him no matter what. Now, people that say things like that, even prominent voices, frequently change their minds probably more than they'd like to admit on things like that. Like if we get to, to Kevin Stefanski, to be Gore Ryan's. It just uh, uh-huh. when you when when you say something with certainty, like some of that's for content. Honestly, we do that on our show too. Um, say things with like a lot more energy than maybe is actually kind of like actually happening there. So there will be some segments of the voting population that's like, no, I'm going to vote for the guy who wins. Except that this award literally never goes to that ever. It's never about who wins ever. It's about raw statistical accomplishment. And uh, my best guess here. Uh, is that when Banyama becomes minus 500 before he becomes even money. That's just kind of my guess about how this plays out. And that doesn't mean there's some great opportunity yet. And uh, and we should talk about Brandon Miller briefly for a second after I'm done. But um, just the way I kind of see this going is the way that it's gone the last couple of days. Because again, listen, like playing it now, he's playing a different position. Now he's playing more minutes. Now the stat lines start to look really jarring between him and Chet Holmgren. They weren't looking like that before. Now they are looking like that. That that That's a big thing. That makes a big difference. So my best guess is he gets bet out to a really big favorite sometime before the All-Star break, something like that. And my best guess is that he would then hold on and win. Nick and Ken, you better you bet here on a Thursday. Award market roulette talking NBA Rookie of the Year right now. We'll go to Brandon Miller in a second. One narrative-y thing on this award. Curious if you agree and if you think it matters, even if you do agree. So we've talked about with NBA Most Valuable Player, right, that Joel Embiid is aware kind of of the perception and that he wants to, probably wants to win the award. Not a criticism at all. I would want to win NBA Most Valuable Player if I could. I totally get it. Does it seem to you, Ken, that Wembenyama, like, really wants to win this award? And, like, it takes it personally that Holmgren's won a couple Rookie of the Months in a row. And you kind of get the sense, like, like watching Chet Holmgren interviews, post-game interviews, etc., that it's not that he doesn't care, but that he's focused on the team winning. And the Spurs are, what, 8-600 eight, eight, eight and 600 this year. And Wembenyama wants to win Rookie of the Year. Do you sense that also? Do you, Does that matter to you at all if you handicap this award? 
Well, I mean, I think the, the play that you're going to point to, right, is the Wembenyama dunk on Chet last night, where it's like a, you know, kind of like an in-your-face kind of a moment. Um, I do think that the Spurs are both interested in developing him and showcasing him, and so they're making decisions that are going to continue to increase his production. Like, I care about that, because that means his numbers are going to look really a lot better at the end of the year. Like, they're, they're trying to figure out the right way to use him, and so they're continuing to tweak and continuing to tweak, and so he's looking better and better and better, because, like, their sole focus this year is essentially developing him into the best possible player. Like, man, if you're betting Rookie of the Year, and one team's sole focus is winning the West, and the other team's sole focus is developing one guy, <laughs> yeah, and, right. like, you're you're at a natural advantage even if even if because if we've and i'll just remind people like even if you listen to this you go like oh you're crazy chet's better like that's not the point of the exercise like i i think chet's a great player too i think he's in I, he's gonna make first team all nba defense this year probably uh you know we'll see how it goes at the end of the year but at least second team all nba defense maybe Embiid makes first team this year but like that's awesome what do i think the voters are gonna do and if you start to really like draw a, a large difference between some of these stat lines the voters are going to lose their ability to break the tie with the fact that Chet wins. Chet needs it to be close because he wins because his team wins. If it's not close, then it's not even a conversation. He can't use that tiebreaker. And I think it's about to be not close is probably the way, right way I would look at it. And just for, for context, because Ken's mentioning defensive player, right, maybe first team all defense, Chet Holmgren is currently the second choice in the market to be defensive player of the year overall. Rudy Gobert is a huge favorite, minus 350, so I'm not saying Chet's going to win, but he is the second choice in the market right now. Anthony Davis and OG and Ananobi behind Chet Holmgren. Um, on Brandon Miller, who's, what, four straight 20-point games, and basically the Hornets are trading anything that's not bolted down and that means like LaMelo Ball and obviously Brandon Miller. Um, 500 to 1, Ken, Brandon Miller is at BetMGM. Yeah, so I, I, I looked at this the other day and I tried to just, you know, I try to be really reasonable with this stuff. You're, this award always goes to like a top four or five pick every single year with like one exception in 50 years. And so if you're even if you're going to try to find a long shot, like I think Hawkes got some run for a while. It just wasn't that's not what this was going to be. Hawkes is a great player. He'll help them in the playoffs a ton. It's just like that's not what this was going to be. And so if you're looking for like the crazy, crazy price and I think to need I think what you need here and I, you know, you, I would never root for this. I mean, especially like I don't even have a lot of money in this market. I'm not really rooting for anything. Um, I think it's like, well, what if Wembanyama doesn't play a lot of games the rest of the year what if he gets hurt which is always a consideration what if he he and chet both because of their size their dimensions are probably more susceptible to an injury than other players and i don't Dem want feet. either of them to get hurt they're they're too good they're too awesome like, i don't want either of them to get hurt but i would call brandon miller like the break glass in case of emergency candidate which is like he's probably going to start scoring a lot and my guess for what happens to him in the market is that he becomes like the 500 who goes to 40 or something like that and it's and never wins and there'll be somebody that'll be like oh like we bet him at 500 and he's 40 and be like <laughs> yeah but he's getting there's let's say there's 100 voters he's getting zero votes he just but he's like the price drop maybe um and i actually could see i could see at some point him and chet getting closer if when Manyama just starts nuking everybody but like that's kind of all it is right now. I think you need an injury or something really crazy, like act of God type stuff for Brandon Miller to win, even though these trades and these injuries like do clear the way for him to score a lot more. But, but what about Scoot? Yeah, that's what Portland's saying right now, too. Yeah. <laughs> the, 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 the scoot, scoot, scoot your ass out of the conversation, buddy. We got DeAndre Ayton. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. It was, nothing, it was nothing to prove, quote, I'm a max player. Yeah, because he's rich You know now. what? I was yeah. going to say. It's, you got nothing you know, to prove like, to himself either. He quit. Yeah, right. I, I'm rich. And then the next line, yeah. which I won't say on a family-friendly show. 
On the other side, we will spin the wheel yet again. More award market roulette coming up next with Nick and Ken. I mean, how can we not ask Jake to bring this up? Jake, bring it up. And let's dance. What's the 99-star whale play lock of the millennium in college football this weekend? <laughs> Adam Chernoff will join us coming up in 20 oh, minutes man. talking championship Sunday. Great guests. I kind of miss it a little bit. College football I don't miss or that work. segment? Dude, like, like figuring out what I was going to bet on a Saturday. I didn't, I didn't miss it like a month ago. I was like really happy it was done. And this will happen with the NFL too. Like I'm, yeah. I'm pretty sick of the NFL except watching the games. Oh, I'm pretty sick of yeah. the NFL. And uh, week to week, like next week, it's just like I, I'd rather talk about anything else probably. And but, you know, we'll get to April. And, like win totals will come out and be like, oh, my God, <laughs> like I can't wait to talk about this stuff again. It's just kind of the way it goes. We're just in the we're on the way down here. See, it's it's my favorite thing, the NFL 24-7, 365. I just don't like not having a, like a, a personal life from September to February. Yeah. Other than that, though, I absolutely love all of it. Of it's it. the absolute best. Uh, all right. Uh, great guests start uh, start in twenty minutes when we are on stadium for two hours. Our bets for tonight coming up at the end of the show. Let's uh, well, look. We can do more of this later in the show. Also, we'll make sure we get all the hashtag content in today. But Ken, let's continue on with award market roulette. Did NBA Rookie of the Year in the last segment? Jake, bring the music up. Ken, what's next? Spin the wheel, please. Let's. Uh, this is one that'll be more interesting from a betting standpoint, but like from a like rookie of the year is like a sexy market because it's like two huge, you know, like players that everybody cares about and they played last night. Uh, we'll still do, still do NBA and we'll talk about sixth man of the year. I think would be a good thing to talk about because no one knows anything in the market at all, like about how it's going to go. Um, so I think that one would be fun to do here. All right. So here's the the market for NBA sixth man of the year and our show sponsor, Ben MGM, Tim Hardaway Jr., the favorite plus 160, Malik Monk plus 250 of the Sacramento Kings, Jordan Clarkson of the Jazz, who like missed that that game winner the other day. And I remember watching it thinking, I wonder what the market would be like if he had made that shot to win the game and scored 30 plus points. Uh, Bogdanovich is at seven to one, Karis Levert 13, Benedict Matherin at 15, and then Onward from there at 30 and 40 to 1. I can read those names, Ken, if you think are appropriate. But if not, what do you got for us here on Six Man of the Year? They might become appropriate at some point. I just, I wouldn't even know what names for you to read right now from that point on. There might be somebody, just a reminder to people, uh, Emmanuel Quickly was 200 to 1 in February last year and ended up almost winning. So this can be one that takes some kind of bizarre twists and turns uh, as we go. And that could happen again this year. And it, it really could because I think with this market, you're constantly struggling with when a guy becomes a favorite, it's because he's probably playing very well. And guys who play well off the bench are susceptible to a number of things that could make them ineligible to win. Like if you're really good and you're off the bench, maybe you start starting or maybe your team's star player gets hurt and you fill in in the starting lineup. Maybe your team makes a trade. Maybe they trade you. And uh, that's like, it, it kind of makes it really tough. A lot of these pieces and a lot of these players fall into that category. And it's what makes the market so volatile. You know, Jordan Poole was a great candidate last year. And then he started starting games. And that was a wrap, like a, like done. And uh, we've had a couple players. Austin Reeves would be a good example this year of like a really, really compelling candidate who went from, I think I bought at 180, 100 to 1 and 80 to 1. He got all the way down to 2 to 1 and then started, which became very obvious. They were going to change the starting lineup again. And he becomes zero to win the award at that point. And that's just kind of like, that's what happens. Um, 
the market, I think, has the favorite right. I don't actually think there's an argument about that. Um, Tim Hardaway Jr., by all conventional wisdom, makes the most sense to me to win the award, and he is the favorite in the market. He is the only player besides... I'll try to do this a little too. Rookie of the year, I don't have a lot of money in the market. Uh, rookie of the year, I bet Reeves and Hardaway really aggressively in the first month of the season. And I would I would say the more important... Because people are like, oh, he's the favorite, thanks. I think the more important thing is I haven't bet anybody else. And like even as some of these other prices are crashing and players are becoming more interesting, I still, I've just been trying to hold off if I was ever going to add someone else if I really thought Hardaway wasn't going to win. And he's flawed. Uh, his coach gives him the opportunity sometimes of whether he wants to start or not. That's a pretty bad sign when the, the whole point of the award is not starting. And uh, this is a team that's had a billion injuries so far this year. And just, yeah, you're not quite sure how this is going to shake out when everybody's healthy. I don't think he cracks the starting lineup when that happens, but it's worth noting he started eight games already this year. Like I just, you know, you get to 15, 20, it's, it's, it's bye-bye in the market. Like you just can't win anymore. So the two things that tend to dictate who wins, one, everybody gets right and it's easy. Uh, scoring off the bench, not scoring overall, scoring when you come off the bench. And this was a key identifier of why Malcolm Brogdon beat Emmanuel quickly last year, because Brogdon only came off the bench, basically, and scored not very much, like 15, 16 points a game, I think. And Quickly's great stat line games were in games that he started, and everybody used it against him, which was really unfair, to be honest. But that's what they did, and, and it ended up voting Brogdon instead. So just like when a guy starts and has 30, like that's great but actually doesn't help a whole lot in terms of winning the award, just to be perfectly honest. Points per game off the bench is really predictive of who wins. Uh, among, like, the guys who can actually win, Hardaway's second in that category. Jordan Clarkson's first, but he hasn't played a lot of games. So that's one reason why Hardaway's a good candidate. The other reason, and I feel like this is one people get wrong all the time, and, it, and maybe it can go a different way at some point, but it never does. Uh, this is one of the awards in all sports that is the most closely tied to team success. And if your team is really good, then you can win this award. Obviously, Brogdon won on Boston last year. They were the best team in the league. Um, you go historically, uh, there's one candidate, basically, that's ever won. Nobody's ever won going 500. Nobody's ever won going less than 500. Like, that eliminates a lot of candidates, by the way, when you use that screening process. Only one candidate is won with, like, a, what I would call a lukewarm record. Like, Lou Williams won his second Sixth Man of the Year award, and the Clippers won... I think he was on the Clippers at that point. Won like 42, 43 games. Okay, like, first of all, A, they were over 500. B, he'd already won the award. Like, that's a big-time candidate that you're kind of willing to bend the rules a little bit on, maybe to, to give it to him. I think he averaged 23 points a game the season that he won. I mean, those are huge numbers, and he had already won the award. Like, if you're trying to make a case for Clarkson or, God, even Matherin, if Halliburton keeps staying out, they keep losing games, or you're trying, especially Bogdanovich, who I think is a zero and a non-starter here. Like, you you need the teams to win, and it, if they're not even close, then the candidate's not even close, and that always bears out at the end of the season. There's a lot of noise on Bogdanovich, there's a lot of noise on Clarkson, and yeah, if those teams, like, got it together, especially Utah, who's probably closer to it, then they'd be interesting candidates. If these are 500 or worse teams... Like, no, and it's it's just never happened, and it's never happened, and they're short price. It's one thing if it's never happened and the guy's 500 to 1. Yeah, take the shot. It's never happened before, but, like, he's 500 to 1. This is it's never happened and they're 4 to 1, or they're 5 to 1. They really think about that low price on something that never happens? It just seems crazy. Um, so we can kind of talk about, like, who you know, order and who to bet, but I think the big thing here is a lot of the guys that look appealing actually aren't. 
and maybe that clears the way for somebody else. I think it more likely means Hardaway wins, but uh, but I think there's you know there's a couple ways this can go. Uh, Nick and Ken, you better you bet on a Thursday. Can I give you a name? Yeah. 125 to 1 at BetMGM. 11 for 11 last night. Four straight games of 20 points or more. Jonathan Kaminga of your Golden State Warriors. If, uh, Golden, if yeah. Golden State can keep it rolling a little bit. It's, it's rare to have a player like emerge this late in the sixth man roll and win but like not impossible and uh you know i think what you're what you're trying to figure out here is okay if everything stands pat i think hardaway wins it's possible malik monk would win it's just the two teams have identical team success almost and hardaway is just crushing him in points per game off the bench like it's not close so maybe malik monk gets it because everybody likes malik monk but that's the only reason to give it to him. It has nothing to do with production. It has nothing to do with team success. That's like the seven and eight seed in the Western Conference right now. And uh, and this year is really everybody weird. Everybody cause... likes him. Is Malik Monk like a like a huge like baby face? Like everyone loves him, or uh, yeah, like people like 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 NBA people love that he has this role for okay. Sacramento, where he comes in and like flame throws sometimes and scores like 20, 25 points a game, like sometimes. And uh, that's like, like the old Ned Flanders routine, yeah. right from The Simpsons. You're big. Everybody yeah. loves Ned Flanders. <laughs> like, Malik Monk. Hens love roosters, geese love ganders, <laughs> everyone else but Malik Monk. Um, well, possible. I don't. <laughs> well, I don't. Everyone who counts, vote Malik. It's, uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's possible. I just don't really see that either. So my best way this plays out, or most likely way this plays out is, as long as Hardaway's coming off the bench and they're winning enough, which is about as much as they're winning now or slightly more, and they'll get guys back from injury, then I think he's by far the most likely winner because he's like the only guy on a good team scoring a lot. Like, if Clarkson just keeps losing, he ain't winning. And if Bogdanovich keeps... I mean, Bogdanovich is almost dead at this point, I feel like, to win this award. I mean, they're going to they're gonna trade guys. They're terrible. He's not winning. Uh, and he still occupies a pretty good position in the market. Matherin doesn't score very much. That's his issue. He's like 14 points a game off the bench. When he starts, he's okay. That's not the exercise. Karis Levert's a pretty good candidate because Cleveland's pretty good, except he hurt his wrist, and sometimes he's terrible now, and they're kind of weird. So, like, he can win... But, okay, he's like 15 points a game like Malik Monk. Tim Hardaway is outpacing those guys. And I think when push comes to shove, that'll matter at the end. Um, and we, we don't have any voting on this yet, so I, I don't know how close I am. But, look, the combination of team success and scoring off the bench is going to guide you here. That's why Hardaway is the favorite. That's why he makes the most sense, at least right now. Is there anyone else that you consider like a little down on the board to be even a little interesting? Look, I saw the Kaminga thing, and I was like, you do that. You do that thing where you're like, eh, I'm going to come back to this, and you're like, maybe. And the only other thing I would say is, I don't. I've I've thought about this 50 times, and I don't think it's going to happen. Because think about the big team. Usually, it's a team that wins a ton of games, not like a lot, like the most. None of those teams have a candidate that makes any sense. Boston doesn't. Milwaukee doesn't. Philly doesn't. Uh, OKC doesn't. Minnesota has Nas Reed, but he's like 11 points a game. That doesn't make any sense. Denver doesn't. Those are your six of your top seven. The other one is the Clippers. They have two sixth man candidates, which is why they have zero. They have Norman Powell. We're going to run this back. Oh, God. More. Well, we're not running it back. I didn't bet it the first time. They have Norman Powell who doesn't score a lot, or who scores more, sorry. And they have Westbrook. And I don't think he's going to, I just want to be clear. Like, I don't think he's going to win. But you play this out sometimes where you go, I mean, if winning's really important, then who would, who do the winning teams have? 
these terrible candidates. It's the only reason why Nas Reed might win. Like, I, I don't know how else he would win, except they're really good. I don't know how Westbrook wins, except they're really good. Is it like, what if Hardaway starts? This is, I play this out every night, literally. I'm watching games and I just go, what if Tim Hardaway starting tonight? The hell am I going to do? And I don't know what the answer is. I, I think I'm going to put a couple, a couple bucks on Jonathan Kaminga. Try to get ahead of this a little bit. Probably lighting money on fire, but whatever. I bet on dumber things. Hour one done, hour two for you coming up on the other side. To start hour number two, Adam Chernoff breaking down Championship Sunday. We'll be right back with You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network.